It is so awesome to be back here as we continue our studies on the Sermon on the Mount. But before we start diving in, I would like to ask you some questions. Have you ever met somebody that loves to talk? They are just, they just love to talk. If you give them the opportunity to talk, they will be the ones that will start saying whatever comes to their mind. And the way that they typically will do it is that as they start talking, they don't even know where they're going. But their hope is that somewhere along the lines, they'll find where they're going and end the conversation. Have you ever met someone like that? Have you ever met somebody that loves to exaggerate stories just to get a reaction? If you have not, then you have never met a pastor because we all struggle with that. I, I, I mean, just in clarity or transparency, I, I remember a few years ago, Mike, Mike Duma and I got into a conversation and that turned quickly into an argument. And the whole thing was me trying to tell him about how uh, big and emotional the events of 9-11 was to us in the Dominican Republic. And I remember making the statement that, you know, in the 9-11, you had about 3,000 Dominicans to pass away on the events. And then uh, I remember Mike's reaction being like, like, that doesn't make any sense. And I remember saying, no, no, no truly, like 3,000. And so he left my office and I'm like, there's no way it was 3,000. So I Google and there were 26. And so <laughs> if you have never sat here, you never met a pastor. But have you ever made somebody that you don't know what, the, that you don't know the intentions behind of the things that they're telling you? That you don't know whether they're saying things to you because they want to get something out of you or they're saying something to you simply because they, uh, they're trying to manipulate the situation, right? Maybe if you, if you have never been married, then you have never experienced this because that's marriage right there sometimes. Uh, but truly, you can see how words can carry meaning to us and how words are so important and how people uh, should cons- be concerned about worth. And in fact, you see that even at a young age as, you know, kids... If you look back, if you go down in memory lane, you will remember how you will manipulate the things that you say to get things or to make a statement or to just convey a, a truth that you were not so certain that it was true. Think about things that we used to do, like we will talk with our friends and we will, t- we will make outrageous statements and we will be like, hey, I think you promise that what I'm saying to you is truth. And if you're on the receiving end and somebody did this to you, you knew that what they're saying was truth. Because unless, I mean, there's no way they will bring up the, 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 the pinky promise unless it was true. Or we will say other things like, I swear on my mom or I swear on my mother's grave that this and that is true. And which, by the way, always baffles me that we go to our moms because they didn't deserve that. And yet we are so quick to swear on them. We should have been swearing on our third cousins that we don't know. But we will say things like this to make a statement, right? Or the ones that makes no sense. Like, and I just found out this this week, like, why? You, you make things like, hey, cross my heart till I die or stick a needle in my eye. Like, why? You, you want stick, you know, anyways. So you see quickly how important words are and how necessary it is for us to make sure that when we say things, we actually mean them. And so as we continue this, this discourse of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, we'll see for him 
how he's addressing a crowd that is formed by those that either were brand new believers, those that either were curious about who Jesus were, or even those that were religious leaders. And he's addressing them and making them understand what it is to be a Christian, what it is the standards of righteousness. And we talked about two weeks ago and even last week how Jesus introduced this conversation, how he preludes it by making a statement that it was an outrageous statement for those in attendance. He will say in in Matthew 5, verse 18, he will say, in the same way, sorry, not verse 18, in verse 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceed that of these scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, as he's starting this conversation, this sermon to the audience, he makes this outrageous statement where he's saying, if you are to be righteous, if you are to, to be someone that is upright, somebody that is blameless, somebody that is holy before God, that is good in good standing with God, you are to be or do more than those religious leaders that you have grown up listening, hearing, that they have become the example of righteousness, those that you, they would think that were the ones that if there was anyone righteous, it would have been them. Now Jesus is telling them, you are to exceed them in righteousness. This was, would have been mind-blowing. And so Jesus continues this conversation. He will address different topics. And the one that he will be addressing today is this idea of oaths. And his idea which oaths, vows, or swearing, it all means the same. And so just for us to be on the same page, there's a few things that I want us to consider for, to, for us to be on common ground. Number one, when you see here in the passage that we're going to be reading in Matthew 5, the use of word or the use of the word swearing does not mean cursing. This is important because I grew up thinking that swearing, it was referring to swearing in this passage when it is not. I mean, the more you read it, the more you will come to that conclusion. But it is not about cursing. The word swearing here has, carries this meaning that if you are to swear, you're, making the, you're saying that the statement that you're making is truth. And if it is not true, then you're saying that God be your judge. So when you swear, you're making an emphasis that what you're saying is truth. And if it's not true, then you're saying that God may take a judgment upon you. Number two, you need to, we, need to, we need to see that swearing is not prohibited in the Bible. See, depending on the culture that you grew up, you, me growing up in the Dominican Republic, we were told that you were never to swear. That it was a sin for you to swear. That it would be something out of character. That it would be something out of what God would want you to do for you to swear. But as you study the Bible and as you come to find out, it never says anything about that you're not to swear. Some examples will be in Deuteronomy. Nailed it. 23, 21, it says, if you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfill it. For the Lord your God will surely require of you and you will be guilty of sin. The statement that he's saying here, what we see here is saying, you are not to make a vow to the Lord. But if you do, you shall not delay to fulfill it. So he's not prohibiting, he's not saying that you shouldn't do it. It's just saying that you better do it. And if you're going to do it, you better make sure that you do what you say you're going to do. In Galatians 1.20, you have Paul and it says, in what I'm writing to you before God... I do not lie. 
an example of someone in the Bible that we will say is righteous, someone that, that is a good example for us to follow, someone like Paul, we will see that he will at times use in his communication, in his writings, will use the, the, the uses of swearing to make a point. And then again in 2 Corinthians 1.18, he will say, as surely as God is faithful, our words to you has been yes and no. Again, proving that it is never prohibited in the Bible for us to swear. It just means that if you are to do it, you better make sure that the things that you're saying, that you're saying, that you're going to commit to do, you actually do them, that you do not delay. And we'll come back to this because this will bring even more meaning to the passage that we're going to be studying today. Number three, Leviticus 19.12 is most likely the verse that is referred here. It says in Leviticus 19.12, You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. This is the commitment that you most likely we see here being addressed. The things that the audience have grown up hearing, the things that the religious leader have embraced as their law for them. And that whatever they did, they were never to break that law, but anything else was permissible. And we'll come to that again. And then number four, the religious leaders were known for making vows frequently. It was known to the culture, it was known to those there that the religious leaders would have been the type of people that they would be making vows constantly, whether to move people into actions, whether to gain favor, whether to gain something out of people, whether to manipulate. They were known to be peoples that make vows frequently. And so then we're going to see now in light of this what Jesus will say to them in Matthew 5. Verse 33, it says this, Again you have heard that it was said to those of all, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So this is the passage that Jesus is addressing. In the context that we have already have discussed, you have the religious leaders, leaders that they would have been the example of righteousness in anyone there in attendance. That they would have been the ones that would have set the standards of what it's like to be upright to be blameless, to be in good relationship with God. And so now you have Jesus coming here and starting this conversation by making the same statement that he has been making, where he says, you have grown up hearing that this is what you need to do. You have grown up hearing that you're not to swear falsely in the name of the God and that you're to perform quickly the things that you have said that you were going to do. This is what you have grown up hearing especially by those religious leaders. But if we go back to verse 20 that we addressed, Jesus also told them that if you are to be righteous, you needed to exceed the righteousness of those religious leaders. And so for today, this is the idea that we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at the idea of speaking with integrity. And if you and myself want to be someone righteous, then it means that we need to do things different than the religious leaders. And and this will make more sense the more we expand it. But for us right now, we need to understand that righteousness requires a heart that speaks with integrity. Righteousness requires a heart that speaks with integrity. This is crucial for us today. And I will say today more than ever, 
Because we're in a culture, in a society, in a world where that is not the case. Where words carry no meaning. Where people say whatever they want to say. Where there's not an accountability on what we say. Where you have people committing to do this and just as quickly as they commit, they back out. You have people that are, that are constantly saying whatever comes to their mind. You have people that are not careful about the words that they use. And so for a culture like today, and for us as followers of Jesus, this is something crucial for us to understand. That righteousness requires a heart that speaks with integrity. And I would like to ask the question as we go into this for you to think. What is the worth of your words? How much worth does your words have? Have you ever thought about that? Or when was the last time you thought about that? Does your words have any meaning? And we'll see here what we mean by this. So the first thing we want to see is that when it comes to speaking with integrity, and I'm thankful for this passage because we have an example of what it is, of what it looks like to speak with integrity. We see that we must be wise in the words that we use to speak. And he says this in the verse, but I say to you, do, no, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Emphasis on do not take an oath at all. Now, like we have discussed already, Jesus is not saying that they're not to take an oath. In fact, this is a usage of word that he even used, like Pastor Bruce discussed last week, of hyperbole. He's making the case that it would have been better for them to not make an oath at all. Because they were the type of people, especially those religious leaders, that were constantly making oaths, but they wouldn't keep it at all. And so Jesus is making the statement to them, it will be better for you. Listen, you have grown up hearing that it is so that you are not to swear on the name of God falsely. That is the disclaimer. That is the thing that you're not to do. That is what they understood to be the last thing. You are never to swear on the name of the Lord falsely. And if you swear, you're to make sure that you do it quickly. But Jesus now is saying to them, hey, I say this to you, that it will be best for you not to take an oath. It, is, it was important, it was crucial for them to understand the importance of being wise with their words. Because they certainly were not. They were constantly making vows with people. Their words carry no meaning. They were the ones that would go out and say things and didn't know what they were saying. Just like we started talking, how there are some people out there that they love to talk. And the moment they start talking, they don't know the direction they're going. And sometimes they find themselves saying things that they don't mean it. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're talking with somebody and they ask you something and you just, without thinking, you just answer it. And then you go home and you're like, man, I should have not said that. Maybe it's in an argument, maybe it's in a conversation, maybe it's when you were dating and you say something and you cross, ask you something and you're going back, man, I should have been smarter or smoother. But we all know what it's like to not be wise with a word. And here's what's interesting about this is that it starts with a habit like any other habit. It starts in small occurrences. Think about the boy or the girl that get asked by their parents, hey, go clean your room. And this, the kid, just to get their parents off the shoulder, just quickly say, yeah, I'll do it. And then never does it. The husband that goes, to, his wife goes to his husband and say, hey, can you take the trash out? Yeah, 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 I'll do it right, right now. And then two days pass, the trash is still there, been there. Unfortunately, you don't that too. But you see quickly how 
our words, if we're not careful, if we're not wise in how we use them, they may lose their meaning. They may lose their worth. And for a crowd like them, they needed to understand that if the religious leaders who had been what they thought the standards of righteousness were known to not be wise on the words that they used, and they knew that they needed to be better than them, or they needed to do beyond what they did, then they certainly needed to be someone that were wise in the way that they used their words. And just like them, it is important for us to think about that. Think about the situations and times when you're talking with your boss and he asks something of you and just because of fear of what he may think of you, maybe because you would like to please him, maybe because you don't want to deal with the consequence, you're just quick to say something that you know well that you can keep it. You have to be wise, we have to be wise with the words that we use to speak. Number two... As we continue to read, we must have a clear conscience that what we say is truth. See, we, again, we live in a culture where it's okay to not have a clear conscience. You see it in all levels of life. You see it in all different types of jobs. You see it in all environments, social classes, ethnicity, everywhere you see it. All over the world you see it where it's okay for us to not have a clear conscience. So long. As you get what you want, it is okay for you to do and say whatever you want. And how at times it may even celebrate it. They may even call you an entrepreneur. They may even call you as someone that is a leader, that is able to move people in directions that you want them to move. When all alone you're just saying things to save them, where all alone you have no clear conscience on the things that you're saying to be true. See, the religious leaders were the type of people that they had no regards as to what they said, the things that they committed to do, the things that they vowed, whether they were going to keep it or not. They found a loophole. Their understanding of things was that the law required them to not say or to swear anything on the name of God. And if they were to swear on the name of God, they were to do it quickly. They believed the letter of the law was that. And so they would live their lives swearing on anything except on the name of God. And when they would swear on anything except of the, of the name of God, if they were to break it, they didn't feel like they were at guilt because they did not swear on the name of God. The law doesn't address that. This is why Jesus here is going to say to them, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all. He says then, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not dig an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. This is why Jesus is going to take the time to address the way that they would do things. The religious leaders were, were accustomed to go out and make all these kind of swearing and vows and oaths on people. Where they would say, I swear on heaven, I swear on earth, I swear on my own head, and I swear on this and that. And they would constantly do those things. And when it was time for them to break that promise, then they would be okay with doing that. Because they felt that they, they understood the law only required to keep it if it was only done on the name of God. But Jesus is changing that mindset. He's saying to them, do not swear in heaven, because to your surprise, heaven is where the throne of God is. 
Do not swear on earth because that is where his footstool is, where God's majesty is rested, where God's majesty gets at work. Do not swear on Jerusalem because guess what? That is going to be the city of the great king. And do not swear on your head because you got no power whether you lose a hair like myself or your hair goes from black to gray. They needed to understand that the obedience, that, that righteousness is not just to the letter of the law, but it precedes the heart. They needed to understand that for them to be righteous, they needed to speak with integrity. They needed to have a heart that spoke with integrity, that speaks with integrity. They needed to understand the importance of saying things that, with a clear conscience, that they, the things that they say were true and that they knew to be true. Yet that is not often the case. Think about you, myself, when we were kids and we would use the I pinky promise, but while at the same time just hiding this little thing. And we will go out and say, hey, I pinky promise, I'll do this, and then we will do this little thing. And it's like we got this green glide or this policy, we, in the policy of how to keep an oath, it says that if you cross your finger, you're absolved from every commitment. But as adults, we do that all the time. As Christians, we do that all the time, where we are so quick to say things, to commit to things, very well knowing that we're not able to do those things. Think about the husband that struggles with alcohol. And as he goes to his wife and says to her, hey, I promise you, I swear, um, this is the last time you will ever hear of me drinking alcohol. While at the same time, while he's saying those words, he already knows when and where he's going to take his next beer. Think about the young guy, the young girl that says to the Lord, hey, God, I promise you, last night was the last time I saw the things that I saw. I'm done doing those things. While at the same time, knowing very well the next minute that he's going to go back to those things. Think about us as individuals as we're trying to communicate with our neighbors, our people in our lives that may not be Christian and how we go to them and we say things to them, we commit things to them, very well knowing that we're not going to keep them. Like the friend that invites you to do something, but it is better for you to cancel last minute than for you to say from the very beginning you don't want to do it. So you falsely tell him, hey, I'll do it. And then the day before, you text him and you're like, nah, never mind. I'm not able to do it because of things and why. And in doing so, loosen the value and the worth of your words. Yet again, what is the words, what is the worth of your words? How much worth will you say the words that you say carry? Number three, we must say what we mean and do what we say. We must say what we mean and do what we say. In the same breath, Jesus will say in verse, in verse 35, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. He's going to summarize again everything that he has said. The audience, the people in attendance needed to understand a crucial thing. They needed to understand that they needed to be the type of people that when they say something, they meant it. That when they committed to something, that they will do it. That they will be the type of people that when they say yes, it meant yes. That when they say no, it meant no. See, I think it is so, it is very heartbreaking in the culture that we live in 
where, again, we say things without meaning them. And we commit to things knowing very well that we're not going to do it. Especially of those of us who, are, who call ourselves to be Christians. See, the audience here needed to understand the importance of being, of speaking with integrity. They needed to understand how necessary, necessary it was for them to, that when they say yes, it, mean, it meant yes. And when they say no, it meant no. This same crowd would have been, in the same crowd would have been some of those religious leaders. And later down in the, in, in the book of Matthew, Jesus is going to address them even in a more harsh way. He's going to say to them in Matthew 12, verse 33, verse 33 he's going to say this to them as he is addressing the religious leaders. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruits. You brood of vipers. This, is, this was an insult. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Then he says this. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. This is a harsh thing that Jesus is telling them. This is how important words are. The religious leaders that were known to, be, to, to, be, to disregard words and to, and to quickly be people that will commit to things without very well knowing that they're not able to commit it, to meet, to meet or, or meet those needs. That they will say things just to win our arguments. That they will make a case just to do things. They needed to understand. The audience needed to understand. And us by extension needs to understand. That if we are to be a salt and light to this world, then we have to be different than the religious leaders. That the religious leaders are not the standards of righteousness as they thought. But that for us to be righteous, for us to be blameless, for us to be someone that is in good relationship with God, we ought to do more than they did, which would imply that we need to speak with integrity, that everything that we say, it is said in such a way that it's done with a heart of integrity, that we're not just the type of people that will go out and saying whatever we want to say and, and just for the sake of winning ground or winning favor or, 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 win, or getting our ways in life, but that we do everything, we speak in such a way that there is nothing wrong, that there's no guilt, there's no unconsciousness, that there's no evil in what we say, but that in all of it, we speak with integrity. See, this is my personal belief as to why this, of all the things, of all the examples Jesus will use to, to, to portray to the religious leader and to the audience the importance of doing, being, being not only doing what the law said, but actually be more concerned about the heart. This is one of the things that I, I, I believe that is to be the case. It's because this word is going to, those in audience, especially the 11 disciples, and then by extension, some of them that will be in attendance, would have been the one that later down the road would have been the ones that Jesus will say, you are to go out and to make disciples of all nations and baptize in the name of the Father, the Lord, and the Holy Spirit. And if those people that were to go out and carry the great message of the gospel, those that will go out and share with the whole world what Jesus had done for them, they better have been people that had integrity in everything that they say. 
Because why will anybody believe something that you say if you're not somebody with integrity on the words that you use? Why will anybody believe what you and I have to say if we are known to be people that just say things without being wise? Why you and I, why will anybody believe what you and I have to say if we're the type of people that we're known to say things with a clear conscience that what we're saying is not true? And why will we be, why will anybody believe what we say if we, when we say yes, we don't mean yes, and when we say no, we don't mean no? See, Romans 10, 14 says this, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him on whom they have not never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Followers of Jesus in a society like with the one we live today, that it is okay to not have meaning in the things that you say. In a society where our words mean nothing, and people are okay with them, with that, we have a need and clear opportunity to stand clear as salt and light to this society. Even in the area of speaking. If you and I are not someone that speaks with integrity from our heart, why would we ever expect that when we go out and share the good news of the gospel that is so desperately needed to be shared, why would we think anybody would believe that? And you will find sooner and later how you and I have come short at times of those things. For the sake of transparency, not too long ago I got to experience this myself. Even in something small as overcommitting. There was a group of people that we were, we were friends with but that intentionally behind it, we wanted to reach them with the gospel. And we were building a friendship with them so that we can have an opportunity to share the gospel. But when it was time for us to hang out, they will invite us to do things and I will be the one that constantly would have been like, yes, I'll do it, that's fine. And then last minute I will cancel out. How, why, or I should say, why would I expect them to believe them when I go to them and say, hey, this is the message of the gospel. It will change your life. It is a message that will free you from the captivity of sin. It is a message that will bring you from death to life. Why would they believe that if I'm not someone that is known to speak with integrity? Why will anybody believe what you said if you're not somebody that speaks with a heart of integrity? What is the worth of your words? What is the weight? How much worth do your words carry? If we are to exceed the righteousness of the religious leaders, we better be different than what they were. We better be the type of people that when we serve God and when we go out and talk to anyone, we do, the, we do that in such a way that we speak with integrity in our heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, too much, so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to address this crucial topic of integrity and speaking with integrity, Lord. And Father, I know myself and I will be naive to think that I'm the only one, Lord, that has fallen short of that, Lord. And I know, Father, in this room that there may be some of us that are constantly struggle with this, maybe casually, maybe at a time, depending on the circumstances, Lord. But I pray, Father, that we will not look for excuse where we will speak without integrity. But instead, Lord, that we will recognize the worth and the meaning that our words carry. That, this, that the uses of word, Lord, just, just you, God, by the, created the world by, word, by using words. And at the same time, you declared your salvation through your son, Jesus, in how he said that it was finished, Lord. 
And in doing so, demonstrating yet again the importance of words. And Father, I pray that we will not come short of that. That we will not be dismissive of that. That we will be known to be people that speaks with a heart of integrity in everything that we say, Lord. And Father, I pray that we will continue to have a good day today as we continue to celebrate you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.